Welcome to the Manufacturing Come Up. This is a podcast designed to share people's stories, experiences, and knowledge in hopes of helping someone else reach their goals. We will be interviewing various people from different industries in order to gain a variety of perspectives to help people make informed decisions on the best way to pursue their career aspirations within manufacturing. Welcome to the Manufacturing Come Up. We have a very special guest today, somebody who's influencing the industry and influencing the youth in a way that we only wish that we could do. Uh, Andrew, the MFG. Let's go. Well, Mike, said, yo, yo, what's up, man? I am excited to be here on the manufacturing come up finally. You know, we got the link up at IMCS and now we're here, man. Glad to be here. Yes. Glad to have you, man. First question I have for you. Where did the, the MFG come from? Yo, so um, great question. Um, I, you know, have been working in the field for a long time. And, you know, manufacturing isn't uh, the most PC field at all. Yeah. And uh, I worked my way up from, you know, the saw to the machines to eventually running a, uh, a second shift and, you know, running separate departments and stuff. And my guys... At one of the jobs that I was working with got me a big decal that said uh, uh, the MFG on it. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we used to leave it open for what the MFG stood for. But at the time, it was the manufacturing gangster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we kind of run with it. And, and it's a really cool, you know, alliteration, I guess you call it, you know, so it can stand for manufacturing. The kids on my tour always pull me to the side after we speak, and they're like, I know what the MFG stands for. (laughs) I don't want to say it. So, you know, it's it's edgy. It's provocative, but they love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I feel like we're somewhat close around the same age, and, like, people used to run around and go, what up, G? What up, G? All the time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You dig? You dig? Yeah, that's what's up. So uh, yeah, let's kind of dive into this thing. And and uh, I know you, I knew you have like a, a very uh, deep story, very deep backstory. And uh, so I'm super excited to capture your backstory and the fact that you're utilizing your backstory to make an impact to the to the younger generation. So let, yeah, let's, man, uh, thank you for sure. Um, this episode of the Manufacturing Come Up is sponsored by Elite Automation. We specialize in robotic applications as well as the design and manufacturing of the weld fixtures within the robotic application. We also are focused on AMR technologies. Got the, got the AMR right here, got the UR right here, collaborative robots, I've been forgetting those because we're really focused on working with newer technologies so that way we make sure that we have the newest tools in the industry to be able to help other manufacturers grow in their business and also can b- deploy the most robust and the most efficient systems for our end customers. So if you'd like any more info or to request a quote, email rfq at eliteautomationusa.com. It was, you know, a story that we hear all too too much these days, right? And, you know, with, with the way that the world is kind of going right now where people don't know about the good jobs that are out there and, you know, there's kind of like a scarcity mindset and, you know, crime is on the rise. You know, this is the perfect time to, you know, get my story out there because there's a lot of people that can identify with it. And if I could use my story as a way to maybe have someone, um, you know, cut out the 
negative parts of my life and just go right to the positive, I think that would be dope. Uh, but I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know when this will be dropping, but it's definitely Red October. Go Cardinals. We're doing our thing. Um, so I had to represent. But, you know, the, the unique thing about St. Louis, Missouri is uh, it is one of the biggest, fastest growing tech cities. They call it the the um, Silicon Valley of the Midwest. But at the same time, we're one of the highest crime rates uh, for the past 10 to 15 years running, even before that. Right. And. Our city is really, really segregated financially and racially, you know, and because of that, I was in a school where um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity or access growing up. And looking around me, there wasn't a lot of people that had, you know, careers or like even good paying jobs. Right. And I didn't think that I had an opportunity to really be anything in life other than what I saw. And because of that, I lived a fast life early. And when I was 18, I uh, found myself with a child and two felonies. I was in and out of jail and I just, you know, kind of hit a brick wall, man. And and I didn't think that I had a lot of opportunities or options. And, and you know, contrary to what I'm saying, there might have been people that came to our school and like try to talk to us. But, you know, to be honest, they didn't look like me and they didn't speak my language. So I probably went for the free pizza or whatever the food was for that day because I didn't eat. And then, you know, whatever they were talking about went in one ear and out the other. So I found myself in a position that I didn't have a lot of direction. I didn't have a lot of opportunity, but I wanted better for my life and I wanted better for my kids and my family, you know, so uh, I put the word out that, you know, I don't want to continue the street life that I have been living. I want a job. And this was like right at the height of the recession. So jobs were super scarce and, you know, nobody was hiring anybody. And I'm this, you know, 18, 19 year old kid with no skills and felonies. And, you know, the job market's not looking good for me. And uh, a person heard about it and they said, hey, I can get you into this manufacturing plant. And they were like, you know, it might be beneath you or, you know, whatever. But I think that you're a smart guy and this might be something that is good for you. So I go in and I take this test. There's a machinist test. There's an open job for a machinist and an open job on the saw. And the machinist paid like a couple dollars more. So I definitely was like, yeah, I want to be a machinist. Not knowing what it was, not having any idea or anything. It's just the money, right? Yep. And, and the fact that there are no other jobs. So, you know, I tell people all the time, like I would have cleaned the toilets in there for real, for real. Um, yeah. But I take this test and on the front side of this machine, test, there's like calipers and micrometers. And it's like, what's this reading? What's this tool called? What's this gauge? And I had no idea. <laughs> so I got nothing right on the front side of the test. But on the back side of the test, there were fractions and there were decimals. And, you know, not too proud to say this, but coming from the street life and selling drugs, I knew what a quarter was. I knew what an eighth yeah. was. I knew all of these different denominations and how mm -hmm. to add them and, and do it quickly. So I did great on the backside of the test. And, you know, Donnie Ogle, thank God, gave me a job. He took a chance on me and he hired me for the saw. He's like, you're definitely not a machinist right now, <laughs> but we can throw you on the saw because you'll know how to cut and, you know, do all of that stuff. So I come in third shift and I see... CNC machines, I see bridge ports, I see, you know, just 
I'm in there by myself. So it's like, yo, like they just let me out into a playground and I never knew this existed. And for the first time, like my life felt like number one, it mattered. And number two, I felt like I was a part of America. Like, you know, I, what I did meant something. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, I wanted to engulf myself in it. Right. So I started, you know, making sure I, my life changed. I would come to work early, you know, and, and, you know, I'd, I'd walk with my head high because I knew that the metal that I was cutting was going into a piece that would, you know, help fighter jets keep us safe and, you know, all these different things. So for the first time, I felt like I wasn't just a felon. I wasn't just a kid from the hood. I wasn't like all these bad labels that people put on me, but I could actually help my country and be a part of this thing. And that just gave me pride, man. And it gave me like, you know, integrity and just made me feel like a real human being. So, you know, taking that feeling and going to work every day, I would watch the guys come in on first shift. And, you know, first shift is usually like the OG machinists, like they work yeah. their way there, you know? And, uh, you know, I would like pretty much beg after I clocked out to stay around and learn from these people because this was my safe haven. You know what I'm saying? Like out in the streets, I knew what I was facing. I knew the temptations. I knew, you mm -hmm. know, the dirt that I had caused and the people around. But if I could stay here and just learn as much as I could, this was paying, you know, my bills. It was taking care of my family. It was keeping me out of the streets. And yeah. I had benefits for the first time. Like, we are going. I got a mouthful of permanent goals because I wasn't going to the dentist like I should have been when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? But now it's like, yo, I got benefits. My kids can go to the dentist. They're healthy. Like, life is just amazing. So... I wanted everything to do with manufacturing. And unfortunately, I couldn't find anybody that looked like me or spoke my language or was from where I was from to help me get these skills. And I had to deal with a lot of, you know, unfortunately, like the isms, I had to deal with a lot of racism. I had to deal with a lot of, you know, sexism. There was one lady in the shop. And because we were dealing with some of the same things, she kind of latched on and this older lady, Bobby, started showing me some things. And then, you know, as I started learning and showing my worth and that I wanted to learn, I started bringing donuts and coffees to the old Polish guys on the manuals and dodging their wrenches and stuff and, and just filling up notebooks. And eventually, you know, I got to go get tools and I learned the old school way of, you know, machining and this craft and this art. And I just felt like, man, I want to be here and not just I want to be here, but I want to, you know, stand on the top of the mountains and tell everybody about this, right? It, like, yeah. it changed my life, you know? So I worked my way up, um, you know, from, from saw guy to manual machinist to CNC machinist. And then I sat at the CNC machine and taught myself G-code. There wasn't, like, a lot of YouTube or anything like that. I just had an old machinist handbook, like, four editions behind and 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 you know, the, the machine, you know? So the more I taught myself, the more people started investing in me and seeing that, yo, this kid wants to be here. We yeah. see what he goes through and he's still like just trying to learn more and just always be around. And from there, people started, you know, kind of sewing into me. So um, went to MIT, went to, you know, uh, University of Buffalo for digital design. And I just started getting more skills and adding them to my skill set. And at the same time, I'm of the I'm of the mindset that, you know, communities who have a solid foundation have a better opportunity in life, right? 
And for a long time in America, we just all been pointing the finger at each other, you know? And if we look inside and just look at ourselves and say, hey, you know, we can internally start fixing some things and then, you know, other people start too. And like all these things will happen. I think that's the best way to go. So I started going back to my neighborhood. I started going back to the youth offender program. I started going to, you know, the things that I knew, the battered women's shelter that my sister worked at and my mother went through and started telling them about these careers and like, yo, 18 to 24 months, you guys can learn this stuff. You can come in and internship programs. You can earn while you learn. They've got apprenticeships. And I just started teaching people like light, lightly these skills and these trades. Um, and, you know, my name started kind of bubbling there. At the same time, I'm gaining the trust of the people I'm working with. I'm showing them how great of a worker I am. You know, my felony and all of those things don't really mean too much to them because my numbers and my work ethic means a lot more. And, you know, I got the opportunity to start hiring people for the second shift. And I started bringing people in from my community and bringing people in uh, that didn't look like me and bringing more women in intentionally start trying to bring people in from walks of life that haven't been in this field and help them. Bosnian community was really friendly as, as well. I brought them in and I started seeing how we have groups of, of workers that had no idea just like myself, but would flourish at these jobs and thrive. Right. And not only was I just bringing people in to stand at the machine, but while we're there, I'm implementing things like hour of training, where if you get your your, your uh, production up, I'll sit with you for an hour and I'll teach you like, yo, this is how you set this machine up. This is what this setup sheet looks like. This is what these tools do. This is what G-code is. And then people started like really staying. They started retaining, you know, more people and their bottom line started getting higher. Production started, you know, being higher on second shift. And then, you know, manufacturing small. So, you know, manager leaves there and then they go somewhere else or, you know, brass leaves there, go somewhere else. I'm bringing Drew with me because he's the second shift doctor. And I started, you know, having that that, you know, uh, reputation as as that second shift guy that'll get people to stay, bring people in from the community and they want to upskill and they're going to, you know, up your production. So um, my name kind of started getting out and I would just go and help companies reproduce what I did, you know, and, and while you, doing it at my company. Um, were, you doing, were you doing that as like a service or like what, what, what type of position were you doing that at? So and the great question. So it started off, you know, our industry is in a weird place where we've got all these jobs. We've got all of this work coming back, but the majority of the people in the hiring positions don't know how to get in front of the people and hire them. Right. Yeah. So we had a lot of poaching going on at this time. So, it would be I'd build up one company and another company would hear about it or they would poach mm. someone from our company and then they would bring me with them and they throw me a lot of money. And eventually it's like, I can't keep bouncing around like this. Yeah. I don't want to do this. So I started doing it as a consulting thing. And, yeah. you know, it started building up that side of, of, you know, my speaking and all that stuff and going one off for like a week and doing like a company audit and then showing them areas where they had, can improve and then giving them the skill set to be able to go connect with different groups in the community. Um, so I kind of had like this two-headed monster going on where I'm helping the industry. And then I'm also in front of the community at places like um, workforce development centers and like boys and girls clubs and uh, the urban league who have workforce training programs, but they just don't know 
that our field exists. So they're not putting a lot of people into this pipeline, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so as I'm doing these things at the same time, I'm kind of collecting data. Well, what are you guys doing on the industry side that isn't working or hasn't been working? And then how are you guys being communicated with on the community side that you like? What are you looking for in a job? And then I kind of, you know, go back to the other place and let them know, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like I'm a bridge builder and an infantry infiltrator where I can be here organically and here organically and then come to the table and be like, all right, y'all, this is what we're going to do. You talk to these people like this, they want this, and it's all going to be a happy family. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so as far as a couple different things, one, I'm curious on your transition on what what made you decide to get up out the way and 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 pursue a better life is one of the things. So, man, I think it was, you know, just A, being tired, and then B, knowing that, like, just inside, like, I'm more than this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not here to, like, just cause all this drama and, like, have a kid and, like, you know, not be here. For, like, that's not what I was on this planet to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, again, this is what I teach on the road a lot. You don't have to know what you want to do sometimes. Sometimes you just got to be open to doing anything and so, finding what it is that that you're good at, right? Yeah. And I just kind of shifted my mentality to taking that inner voice out that I had that told me I was not good at anything and, like, you know, hearing the teachers back in the day telling me I won't be anything and I'm trash at math and I'm trash at, you know, all these different things. And I just started saying, hey, yeah, I'll take that aptitude test. Like, I'm not scared of seeing where I am. Or, yeah, I'll, I'll take that job there, and I'm actually going to work it. I'm not going to be, you know, disjointed. So I think it was a combination of the two things. But the truth is, you know, I kind of went like this. So mm -hmm. I'd be in manufacturing, and I tried to leave it a couple times, you know, and, and it, it kind of tried to push me out because of the, some of the things that I dealt with in manufacturing that – wasn't great, you know, and, and no matter where I was in my life, there was always a job open for this skill set. whether yeah. I was in St. Louis or I was in Illinois or I lived in Tampa for a while. And that was something that was really, really important to me and something that was really important to my family because I was always able to find a position that was paying high enough to where they would be good, you know, and I didn't have to really supplement it. And then at the same time, the entrepreneurial aspect of it, you know, is, is definitely enticing, right? So I started seeing more about like, you know, the capabilities of manufacturing and the more that I got my skill set honed in, now I can do CAD CAM stuff. Now I can do this. Now I can do that. And, you know, the more I start telling people what I do, I'm seeing, you know, requests for, hey, can you make me this part? Can you do this? Can you do that? And then I'm saying, okay, well, this could be really viable, right? And, you know, the, the further we get into Industry 4.0, the further we get into, you know, adapting technology and, you know, automation and machine learning and all of these different things, it's becoming more affordable to get into manufacturing as an entrepreneur, right? And in the communities that I come from, you know, being able to have something that produces a product and then you can hire a bunch of people to help, you know, make, ship, sell, 
all of those different things, that is something that can turn a community around really, really quickly, right? So that was another side of it that really kept me in it and, and drew me towards, you know, wanting to learn more and wanting to learn all of the aspects of uh, manufacturing so that I could either teach people how to, you know, become that well for their community or take these skills and become it myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whenever, whenever you was kind of going in and out of manufacturing, was it, was you going in and out just to try different things or was this like still a period of time of your life where you was like kind of struggling with getting out of the way and living the straight life or what, what was that transition? Great question. It was kind of a little bit of both, man. So early on it was, you know, me kind of still living both lives. Right. Mm -hmm. So I knew that manufacturing was a gateway to, you know, financial success, all these different things. And I started realizing that, but at the same time, I still had that reputation, right? So I'll be working in areas where people knew me from the streets. And if we're going to be honest, second shift, a lot of times is, you know, kind of degenerates, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so I was, I was making my manufacturing money, but then I was also coming in second shift and giving everybody what they wanted. So mm -hmm. I was making that money at the same time, you know, and then, Eventually, you know, things would happen where I would be like, oh, the street money's better. You know what I'm saying? And I would get back yep. in tight, right? Yep. And and I'd always be able to come back to manufacturing, right? So that was one thing. Another thing was, you know, just dealing with a lot. I hate to say it, but it's really racist. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, there's a lot of racism in manufacturing. And, you know, I dealt with things like my toolbox getting broken into all the time or like, you know, my, my, my tools, I'll come back and, you know, they're, they're out of whack. They're out of tolerance and stuff like that. Or, you know, I set up a machine and then, you know, the machine is randomly crashed or, you know, I have one time I came in and they took all the chicken ads out of all of the newspapers. They had to be collecting them for like a month and take my box full of, you know, fried chicken ads and watermelon ads. <laughs> That's yeah, and so it's like it's like you know, there would be situations like that where I just had enough, and unfortunately, HR doesn't look like me, or they're yeah. like the daughter of so the owner really of the company, yeah. and they're not really an HR person. They really just know about insurance, so that's what they're there for in the HR, you know. So yeah. complaining wasn't going to do nothing but get a target on my back, so I would leave, you know, and then yeah. unfortunately go back to what. I knew and what I was most comfortable yep. with it, and that was the streets. Yep. But eventually I came to the understanding that A, change doesn't happen from the outside, number one, it's gotta come from within, if it's gonna be meaningful and impactful change. So I've gotta stay here and I've gotta deal with this because all those people that I told come into this field are gonna experience the same thing unless I do something about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I felt, number one. Yeah. Number two, I felt like, you know, the worst thing that happened to me in manufacturing is I was called a name or I got to deal with, you know, little petty stuff. But the worst thing that happened to me in the streets was I could die or I was taken away from my family for a long time. So yeah. weighing those two things, you know, it was easy to make the decision that, yo, I'm going to just put my head down and I'm going to just, you know, be the best person that I can be, be the best machinist that mm -hmm. I could be and bring the most value that I can to a company and eventually, 
all that other stuff will either drown out or die out, right? Because the numbers are going to talk and, you know, people are going to want to have my back because I'm bringing them so much good, right? Yeah, like, one thing I think is super, super valuable. Uh, Gary Vanderchuk said this, like, he was, like, he, or he was hustling, he was doing all this, selling baseball cards and stuff like that when he was a kid. And this was, like, five years ago I heard this, and I'm like, man, like, I wish I was hustling and, and, and selling baseball cards and stuff like that. And it wasn't like till two years later that it hit me. I was like, Holy shit. I've always been hustling. Like when I was seven years old, I was mowing grass and then people would probably never expect this, but I kind of lived a somewhat similar life to your, your background. Uh, I had to re completely reinvent myself. Um, congratulations. I know how hard it is. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that, that transition can be a good, few year transition to like yep. get up out the way um but i think something that's very very important for people to know is if you're out there and you're doing that type of thing that it's highly likely that you're an entrepreneur you you well, have yes on you yes yes and i think i think that was also a part of the journey like like seeing oh my god all of those things that i thought were horrible things about myself if i use them in this field I'm benefiting everybody. You know what I'm saying? And like you said, nine times out of 10, you know, hustling and street CEOs are make the best businessmen. We just got to get in the right lane. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, Absolutely. and I, I 100% agree with that, which is another reason why I'm big on teaching companies how to go recruit and retain from second chance communities. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of people like me or like yourself, you know, that, you know, may have been unfortunate and made some unfortunate decisions. However, their skill set directly translates into things that we could use here if we give them the right opportunity and put them in the right positions, you know. And, yeah. and a lot of times we don't really we got more to lose. So we're going to work even harder at yeah. keeping this job, you know, because the 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 circumstances are a lot different than, mm -hmm. you know, regular people. Right. Yep. Yeah. Like a lot of those people that are in that position, like especially like after you land some felonies and stuff like that, it's uh, a lot of those people kind of feel hopeless. Right. They, they, they kind of feel in a position of like, man, like I can never get a job now. Now, like the, the best job I can get is like down here. Yep. You know, and in reality, that's not a truth. Like people definitely need to know that they have the capability of being up here. You might have to get a little bit creative and maybe find some position where they're not doing background checks or like. Yep. You might have to work a little bit harder, but you can get there. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and again, like, you know, it's not just it's not just that we tell ourselves that sometimes, you know, society tells us that as well and kind of cements that, you know, when you go fill out four applications and it's all good. Or you like get to the third interview somewhere and they love your character, but then they're like, Oh, we saw this on the background. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's not even a violent crime. You know what I'm saying? And it's like people make mistakes and people yeah. should be able to, if they want to given the opportunity to show that that's not who they are, they're not their mistake, you know? And yeah this is the best field to be able to do it. And right now we've got the best means to be able to do it with, you know, all the training programs and the upskilling that we have in the industry, the mm -hmm. opportunity to get in at the bottom floor and, yeah. you know, go as far as your work and your work ethic will take you. I think, you know, our field is the best to help people, uh, you know, change their lives and the recidivism rate drops 87%. So I don't know if you're familiar, but the recidivism rate, 
meaning if a person gets out of jail or prison, they're 93% likely to recommit within the first five years and land themselves back in there. But with a high paying job like manufacturing, our entry level jobs pay more across the board than $15 an hour. And that's like the, the standard. So anything that pays more than $15 an hour is going to drop that recidivism rate 87%. So wow. that means families getting back together. That means people staying out of, you know, lockup. That means safer communities. That means more taxpayers in the communities that are able to, you know, have more lights and, you know, have better school districts and fund police departments, right? So I think that, you know, this isn't just a, a you know, let's do good for certain people. Like, this is for America altogether. Like, let's make our yeah. cities safer. Let's, you know, make people homeowners. Let's break generational curses. Let's empty mm -hmm. our prisons. You know what I'm saying? And, and make sure people stay out and they're supported. And we've got the tools to be able to do it. And that's why I'm on tour. That's why, you know, I stand on my soapbox because there are so many <clears throat> creative, innovative minds that have either been looked over or skipped over and our industry not only needs them all, but our, our country needs them to be there and be pushing, you know, our stuff forward and, and taking the ideas. Everybody's an inventor. Everybody's got an uncle or a cousin or somebody that's got, you know, this crazy idea that could be something. Right. And if they know that there's a platform to take that from their mind and put it into the world, I think, you know, we'd all be better for it. Yeah, Absolutely. What are some of what are some of the next upcoming things you have going on? Um, so glad you asked. I've got a documentary dropping for Manufacturing Month and through the month of November exclusively on edgefactor.com slash the Drew Crew. If you log on and you sign up, it's going to give you early access to that documentary before it hits major networks and it starts streaming. You can get it there. The cool thing about that documentary is it shows you my career journey. And then it also gives you five days worth of challenges and exploration tools and career exploration tools to see what you'd be best at or kids will be best at. Or, you know, if you're a teacher, what your students will be best at. And then you can start, you know, having these conversations and building, you know, this community and this ecosystem yourself. So that is out October, November for free. At the same time, uh, I am on uh, Project MFG's Clash of Trades. It's an integrated manufacturing TV show where we have competitors in teams of four compete uh, for $100,000. We had 126 schools and teams last year competing, and uh, Southwestern Illinois College was the grand prize winner of the $100,000. They'll be back next season to, you know, uh, fight it out and try to, you know, keep that belt and, and win another 100000 But if you're a school that, you know, has a good manufacturing program or has a manufacturing program at all, we want you guys to sign up for this season coming up. Um, it's 100000 to the team and $100,000 to the school. So this is a way to jumpstart your program. This is a way to get some exposure on your program. If you are a manufacturer that's looking for the best of the best. This is like a working resume. You can watch our episodes and you can see kids in your area competing in real life examples of what goes on in the shop. So we've got, you know, they got to engineer a uh, part. They would throw problems in the way. They've got to, you know, clock in and clock out and keep the cost down, not buy a bunch of tools and materials. And, you know, it's just an amazing thing. 
At the same time, I am at the end of my American Manufacturing Renaissance Tour for 2022. We're going to wrap with stops in Philly, Kansas City, um, Phoenix, and Pittsburgh. And we are now booking dates for 2023. It's a big blessing. So if you'd like the American Manufacturing Renaissance Tour to come to your city, or you'd like to sponsor the American Manufacturing Renaissance Tour in all of the cities, hit me up now. Dates and sponsorship packages are going to go fast. They went fast last year. We want to make sure everybody has an opportunity. So holla at your boy. Yeah. Where can, where can people find you at? You guys can find me um, at the-mfg.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Andrew Crow, C-R-O-W-E. Connect with me there. Um, the CNC MFG on YouTube and other socials. IG, TikTok is popping again. Uh, so we're back there. Um, so holler at me. And then you can just reach out. A Crow, C-R-O-W-E, at the-mfg.com. I'd love to, you know, book an appointment to introduce myself um, and, and work with everybody, man. This is something I'm trying to spread. The mission is for the whole United States and we all better for it. Yeah, absolutely. Now are, are all the, all the places like sign up and everything like that? Are they through your website or so if you, have, tour, if you have tour dates, what's that tour dates? Yeah. For well, like tour dates, but for people trying to sign up, like if you have a school or something that wants to sign up a student. 100%. Or, yep. So you can get all the information online, um, or you can hit me up on any one of those uh, platforms and I will send you over an information sheet and everything to get involved and uh, get you guys going. Gotcha. And where, where's that show broadcasting at? So we are right now on, we're straight at YouTube and we are streaming on, I don't remember exactly the network, but you can get us on fire stick uh, <laughs> next season though. We have three major networks that are bidding for uh, the next season. So I can't say, but you guys will see it on mainstream TV um, coming 2023 and beyond. So now is that your YouTube channel that it's going to stream across for, for this so season? My here? YouTube channel and also Project MFG. Okay. Yep. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Do you so have uh, the show, sign up for the show, check out the documentary on edge factor, show it to your community, have me out. We'll come, you know, get everybody excited. We'll teach the manufacturers how to then go hire those kids and support the programs. Hopefully my man Malachi is going to come out to a couple of shows and rock yeah. it with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you guys will get a bunch of value. You guys will get a bunch of, of kids excited for STEM careers, especially in manufacturing. And then we'll, we'll ignite the workforce and we'll ignite the region. Let's go, man. I'm ready. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. So what, what are some last couple things that we can add? Let's bring some value to some people. I mean, we brought them a ton of value already, but what are some For key sure. things? So number one, it's going to take everybody. So if you're a manufacturer, get involved. If you are a manufacturing association, get involved. If you're a school that says, hey, we can't afford to have machines and all these different things in our school district that's not in the budget. We've got unique ways to make it happen for you. Hit us up and get involved. But it's going to take every person 
in this, this country, every person that is a stakeholder in manufacturing to get us back on track. And once we're back on track, we'll be number one. USA May will mean something again. And, and people will know that these careers are real and these careers are viable. And there's something to write home to mom about. And they, they're dignified. And you can become an entrepreneur. You can come up with, <clears throat> with manufacturing. I think it's really the number way to come up. So this is the tide that lifts all boats. You don't have to be as vocal as me, but be intentional and be vocal about it. Get out in your community and talk to the people. If you're not doing a manufacturing day, we've got resources for you, but get people into your shops, even if it's one or two people this year, and just consistently grow that thing every year. And together we can close the skills gap. Together we can be the number one advanced manufacturing nation and, and you know, everything will be good again. Let's go. Yeah, and also, too, uh, feel free to reach out to us as well because we're connecting with different people such as Andrew and uh, Jeremy for, for just all these individuals that are really just trying to grow this community and trying to really spark up and, and fire up the, the youth, the, the manufacturing space, and just, just create this awesome ecosystem. And, like, to be honest, like, those are probably the most important people that I even want to be connected with, right? Because, like, I'm so I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to give, you know, hats off to you. I got my Coolio braids, RIP Coolio, man. He died the other day. But um, hats off to you because without platforms like this, getting where the people are, these messages don't hit. You know what I'm saying? So we need more people like you. We need more people like Elite Automation that understand how important it is to sponsor shows like this and get them out of there because this is where the next generation is going to find us. They're not coming into the plants without being invited. They're not, you know, searching for us on Google. We're not an industry that people are really excited to get into unless they can see it. And the only way that they're seeing it is on YouTube. The only way they're hearing it is on Spotify. They want to see content like this. So thank you, Malachi, for number one, committing to making the content. Thank you to your team for making it look good. And thank you for having me and providing a platform for people like me, people like Jeremy Bout, people that are, you know, trying to push the industry forward and get this mission out there a voice and a place to do it you're equally as important if not more so thank you for that thanks andrew i appreciate it and yeah thank no you doubt. team behind the scenes uh they did a great job pulling this thing off as quickly as they did um yeah dude i'm just excited for the things coming up and also too like as popular as we are on linkedin the funny thing is is like those are the people that have probably already made the transition so it's like super important that we're like still publishing on facebook on the youtube like all these other platforms to to be able to get in front of those people that are not on LinkedIn yet. We got to get them. And again, <laughs> consistency counts, especially right now. So in our field, all of this is new. Influencers are new. Content is new. So kids aren't going to attach to it right away. The youth isn't going to attach to it right away. New people may not attach to it right away, but you got to keep putting it out there. You got to keep chipping at that iceberg because when it comes, it's going to come in waves and people are going to see where they are now. And they're going to go back and go look at all of the other content that you have. Right. Yeah. So if we say, Hey, you know, 10 people, 50 people are watching it. We didn't get that many likes. Don't give up, you know, and not just, not you, but everybody. These are the machine shops. If you're putting out videos of what you do, or you're putting out, you know, different content to get the eyes on you. We need more. We need consistency and we got to keep at it. We're not going to get the same numbers as the rappers and the twerkers. We're not going to get the same numbers as, you know what I'm saying, the people that are on TikTok acting a fool, but 
it'll be there. So, you know, as long as we have that united front and we're all consistently, you know, working with each other and, and building up, you know, our industry as a whole and building out our content as a whole, the more eyes will be on it and the more quicker we'll be able to, you know, pull those people in that we need and, and, and turn this thing around and keep it going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate having you on the show today and I'm sure we'll, we'll link up again. For sure. Hey, yo, real quick before I go, I know he already said it, but reach out to Malachi. If you want to be in this seat, it's a great seat to be in, and I'm sure he'll line you up, man. So get on the show. Let's go.